This is the Storied Outdoors, a podcast somewhere between Lewis and Tolkien and Lewis and Clark, finding clarity in the stories we tell and the adventures that shape us. My name is Brad Hill, and I am joined by my good friend and co-host, Brian Gill. And uh, we're listen, we know that there's lots of podcasts people can be listened to. There are thousands of them. We always ask the question, why did we start a podcast? Because there seems to be a lot of them. But we did, and we're really thankful that you're taking time to listen uh, to our, our stories and our conversation. We're super honored uh, to have uh, David Hansen as our guest, the author of uh, Love the Church You Lead, Long Wandering Prayer, and my personal favorite, uh, The Art of Pastoring, Ministry Without All the Answers, a masterful storyteller, uh, a contributor to the Leadership Journal. And for many, many years, uh, he, he served as, uh, as the office of pastor for congregations in Montana and Ohio is now retired and graciously has carved out some time to join us for a conversation on the storied outdoors. David, your, your book, The Art of Pastoring, was of great encouragement to me uh, and has since become a, a powerful catalyst for a conversation with young pastoral interns that I get the privilege to disciple. Uh, each time I read it with them, man, I, I'm moved and I'm challenged. And uh, usually each time I end up wanting to get my waders on, my fly rod out and a box of dry flies to search for trout on a long meandering prayer walk. But uh, thanks for taking time to join us, man. I'm really happy to be here. This is a real privilege for me. Thank you very much. So, David, uh, I understand most of your pastor, or not most, maybe a, a lot of your pastor was in Montana. Yeah, and, that's um, right. Brad and I, yeah, okay. So Brad and I had a uh, have have both been to Montana to fly fish. What what is it like being in a big sky country uh, as a pastor, but also an avid outdoorsman? Well, it was great to be in Montana, and um, I was uh, having a good time. I would go out and fly fish and think about my sermons. I would go out and fly fish and pray for my people and my my church and my churches for for about nine years i had two churches in montana and then about seven years i had one church and uh long wandering prayer came from the fact that i found that i could pray longer and more uh focused if i was walking than if i was sitting still mm. and uh i found that i had wonderful prayer times when i was fishing and uh so that opened up a whole new world for me. And then when I moved to Mon to Ohio to pastor a church and pastored several here until I retired, um, I, I did walking in forests and things like that and found that to be a very helpful way of learning how to pray. What so did I'm, your... happy, I'm happy to talk about it. Oh, great. Well, we're so, we're so thankful uh, that your, your stories are you know, you include a lot in, in your in your books and, um, you know, and thinking about that and walking and praying and the getting in the outdoors. I, you know, I found myself not in a, as a pastor, but being able to to find use the outdoors as a tool to find clarity in, in a lot of cases. And uh, it helps me to draw closer to God. It's it's really a, it really works that way for me, too. Is David, is there a, 
there's you, you told there were lots of stories and anecdotes throughout your book um you know when it came to your your experience there in montana is there a maybe a particular story or experience that maybe didn't make the book or something that was extremely impactful because one of the things we say and the way we introduce the podcast is uh, a podcast somewhere between lewis and tolkien and lewis and clark um we, we love stories <laughs> um but we love adventure and and in history but also in those stories we find lots of clarity and we realize those adventures shape us so so what are some maybe a story or two that something changed you or shaped you how about that well i found you know uh all the way to the end i found pastoral ministry to be a real challenging thing to do and um I had one, I had a period in my life when I was in Montana where my faith really took a strong dip. Um, I was um, thinking about applying to the, uh, to the uh, psychology degree program at University of Montana. I'd interviewed there and that interview had gone well. And uh, my faith was kind of at a low ebb and uh, a very low ebb and uh, was really thinking about getting out of the mm. ministry and being a psychologist. Um, and uh, one day I took a long, a long fishing trip. I took my rod and my reel and my stuff and took a long trip, you know, a, long, a, long, a day trip uh, on a stream in the Bitterroot Valley. And um, started off, my faith was kind of in shambles, to be honest with you, and uh, found myself asking myself, uh, as I fished this, this stream uh, in the Bitterroot Valley, it was, it, it was up in the Bitterroot Mountains, actually, right below, right, right above the valley, uh, found myself asking myself if I believe that Jesus rose from the grave or not, and uh, found that I could answer that in a, in a positive way, that I believed that Jesus rose from the grave. And uh, I rebuilt my faith from that and on that trip and rebuilt my ministry in my mind uh, on that trip. Uh, I don't think I've ever written it up or anything like that uh, as a story, but it was a very uh, profound experience for me to go from wanting to be a psychologist to coming back and thinking being a pastor was a terribly important thing if you're if you're serving a risen lord and uh and who everything said about him in the bible is true and yet i fell away from that for a little while even while i was in the ministry i was preaching kind of psychologically based sermons and uh, self-help stuff and my people were getting bored and it's, I was really grateful to be bad at that kind of preaching. Um, it turned out to be a real gift from God that I was lousy at it. Uh, so once I decided that Jesus had rose from the grave and put my faith back together, I got back into the Bible and started preaching from the word and they started being a lot more happy. But, uh, uh, I had a real low period once in the Bitterroot Valley when I was there, and uh, 
but by God's grace and and uh, a long walk, a long stream walk, uh, put it back together again, and it stayed with me for I don't know 25 years after that. So it was a it, that's one story that uh, sticks in my mind as a as a time when I had to make a real de- strong decision about my faith to stay in the ministry. David, how ha- um, how were you able to balance time in the outdoors in such a beautiful, beautiful place and the demands that come for a pastor and the demands of being around other people and ministering to others? Well, I had uh, I found that I could think better. This is uh, I could think better when I was walking than when I was sitting still in my office. And so I found that I did my best sermon preparation when I was out walking in a forest than trying to sit in my office and the phone ringing and so on and so forth. And so I just started uh, taking my fly rod with me when I was working on my sermons. And uh, I, or when I was in Ohio, there was no fishing really to do like that. So I would take walks on my sermon planning day and walk and pray and think and work through uh, illustrations. And uh, the book Long Wandering Prayer is a lot about that. It's about how sometimes for some of us anyway, walking improves our prayer life. And uh, allowing our mind to wander is a creative process that allows us to think new thoughts. Uh, Whereas if we're trying to force ourselves too hard in an office, sometimes we don't get the same creativity that we get when we get out. And uh, I did almost all of my, my ministry before cell phones. So I wasn't being bothered by cell phone calls uh, as I was walking. And um, uh, that was good. I don't know how I'd do it today with my cell phone ringing <laughs> off the hook with people needing my, <laughs> supposedly supposedly needing my help, but- uh, Urgently needing <laughs> urgently most of the need, time. <laughs> urgently needing my help. But, like a couple, uh, like, like a couple I, of guys I, you don't I, know calling you up wanting you to come on a podcast. <laughs> oh no, that's, this is fun. This is fun. Uh, so um, I found I have found that walking increases my intellectual uh, my intellectual ability. Whether I'm working on a sermon or a Bible study, or praying, or anything like that, and if I have a fly rod in my hand, that's fine. In Mo- in Ohio, in Montana, I usually had a fly rod in my hand. If I was in Ohio, I was just walking in a forest, and uh, it's a, a powerful force and getting away from the phone is a good thing. And, uh, so that's how I did it. Mm. What is the, uh, what do you, what do you think that, that, why do you think that is? Why do you think that there's such a, a, a power, uh, in, in getting out and, and walking? Uh, I've heard that from several people and, and Brad has written about that and, it's oh, just, really? Yeah, it's, it was, it's just a, a neat concept to me. And, and I feel the same way. I just have never really fleshed that out with someone. Yeah, D- David, what he's referencing is a, 
I just came across a, a handful of uh, references, whether it was, you know, different philosophers, whether it was Lewis. I mean, Lewis had his famous walking trail uh, that he would walk down. Um, those guys were known for long walks. Um, many philosophers, you know, talk about getting out and going for walks, you know, whether it was, uh, I think Frederick Nietzsche was a guy that walked a lot, not that he was a great philosopher, huh. but he was somebody that spent a lot of time walking and talked about the value of walking and how it did exactly what you're saying. It is like something about his brain connected to his feet. And when it, they were moving, it helped him to think. Um, but I, I have personally experienced that, you know, uh, myself. And, and I just, I, I do wonder why, why that is, you know, what is it about like getting out and, and moving that, that gets us to think clearer, to gets us to focus on, you know, especially when it comes to prayer, like you've written about. Right. Well, um, I'm not sure why it works. Um, but it's interesting to hear you say that other philosophers and thinkers and people like that have done that. Uh, it makes a lot of sense to me that it works. Um, and especially today with telephones and, and emails flying in on us all the time, um, it's uh, it just just to get away, partly to get away from the office is an important thing to be able to do. I always felt like the sermon was an important part of my week and that get, if I have to get away from the phone to do my sermon and, and do a good job on my sermon, that it's well worth the time. And so... Um, I would just break away from the office very often to work on my sermon. And uh, I would spend time early in the week on exegesis and things like that in my office where I had to have my books and things like that. But then when it came to really putting the sermon together, um, a lot of times or coming up with the main thesis and so on and so forth, it really helped to just take a long walk. And if I had a fly rod in my hand, that was Montana. If I was walking in in a really nice woods that would be in Ohio. Um, but it made a huge difference yeah. to me. So what you mentioned earlier, uh, I think is something I want to maybe talk a little bit more about. So you're, you have this crisis of faith and you're in, you're in the middle of uh -huh. pastoring. Um, you're shepherding people and you're, you're, you're preaching each week, but you're, you're not believing your own preaching and you're not believing in the Lord. What, what does that day look like when you went away and you're contemplating an exit from ministry into, you know, psychology and, uh, and being a psychologist? What, what does that day look like? Well, I was, I was preaching what I thought were psychological insights um, and more than I was something from the, from the word. Um, and uh, I really wasn't very good at it. I had people tell me my sermons were boring. So you weren't um, going to be a great psychologist so much, then, huh? <laughs> so much, so much for uh, a psychologically practical yeah. preaching. Um, people told me it was bore that I'd grown boring, and uh, I wasn't very good at it. Thank, thanks be to God, that uh, I failed. I failed at psychological preaching because it forced me to get back into the Word and do what I was trained to do and what I love to do, which is open up the Bible and see what it has to say to us this week and put it in a message. But uh, I sure had to learn the hard way 
that uh, that that's really what I was meant to do. What would you say to someone who is going through a, a crisis of faith? Well, I'd want to spend a lot of time listening, of course, to where the origin of that crisis of faith, um, where it seems to be coming from, and uh, spend a lot of time listening and walking with them if possible or sitting in, in you know sitting in a room quietly um, to find out where it's coming from what kind of what's the, what the origin of it is um, and and see what we could do to put it back together again or get them on the on the road to doing that mm-hmm. um, I think that for some of us crises of faith are just uh, part of the journey and mm-hmm. And uh, it was a part of the journey for me, and uh, it was something that, by God's grace, I got through and got over and was as strong as ever or even stronger than before uh, afterwards. But it was a a very important thing for me to go through, and uh, so treat it as an important thing, an important road to take for someone. I listened to uh, an interview, I guess you did. Is it Cromwell College? I think that was it. Gordon Conwell, yeah. And uh, you talked about you gave up fly fishing because it had become, uh, I think you said the words were, it became an idol for you, and then you took up golf. Um, Tell us a little bit about that, because that's something like I always want to be wary of, you know, both Brian and I are are, are dads and we have small children and we have we're balancing a lot. We don't something that we enjoy become an idol, surely, and especially interrupt any relational uh, time with our family and with our children. But we still enjoy it and it's fun, but we want to be wary of that. And so maybe to, to take that as maybe a warning for us. Well, it's, um, I, I always spent my day off with my family. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't think I went fishing very much on my day off. I don't think I went golfing on my day off. Um, I, I went out and did my fishing and my golfing when I needed to pray and I needed to pray over something real serious, whether it was a sermon or a meeting coming up. Um, you know, sometimes I'd have a council meeting coming up that I thought was going to be kind of, that, that there was going to be some heat to it. Oh, you know, yeah, you know, they're the, coming. There was gonna be, you know, they're coming <laughs> and, uh, I would, uh, spend the whole day, uh, going through my, uh, uh, I would take a walk, whether I, whether it was with a fly rod or, a, or, a or a nine iron and uh, go out there and, and work my way through this. And of course I would always win uh, the arguments in my, my, little, my little brain. <laughs> and then by the end of the day, thank goodness, I usually said to myself, well, you know, you really can't say any of that. <laughs> and um, you know, if it takes a day away to get the crap out of your head, mm. then then, then it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found sometimes when I was looking at a meeting that looked like it was going to be kind of uh, contentious, 
it was good for me to get some of the junk out of my head um, before I got to that meeting. And if it meant being out fishing or golfing or just walking uh, away from the phone, away from the office, um, then that was time well, well, well spent if I was calmed down by the time I got to that meeting. David, who are some people who have influenced you in the ministry? Well, you know, I had a, I had some good mentors in ministry. Um, one was the pastor of a large evangelical Presbyterian church in Southern California. Uh, I never saw myself as pastoring a large church uh, per se, but I was on staff with him. I did youth work my junior and senior year of college at that church, and I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from a Baptist pastor who pastored small churches and uh, really found from him that uh, that I felt is where my calling was, not in a big setting, but in a but in a small church setting that that was really what I was cut out for and was designed for. And uh, so I had good mentors that I learned a lot from. Um, and two of them in particular, uh, one pastored a large church and one pastored small churches. And I got a lot out of both of them. I know Eugene Peterson wrote, there's a little a blurb on the, the front of the book, but you know, obviously a, a Montana, uh, native himself. Um, did, yeah. Is he someone you ever crossed paths with or had any conversations with? I had, I had a very close relationship with Eugene Peterson by God's grace. Um, my, my brother-in-law, this was back in the 1980s, went to a, who was a Presbyterian minister. He's retired now. Uh, and uh, went to a, a meeting with some Presbyterian pastors and Eugene Peterson, and he uh, wrote back to me and said that, that he'd met this guy named Eugene Peterson, and he read a lot of books that you'd read and a lot of authors you'd read, and and uh, that you'd really like him. So I found his address and wrote him a letter just saying, here I am. And he, uh, that was in Montana at the time, and he was taking a year sabbatical in Montana at that time, not far, just a couple hours away, which in Montana isn't very far away. Um, and so he invited me up to their home in Flathead uh, in Montana, and I spent the night with them and just for formed an instantaneous bond with them in terms of things that I'd read. Some of my mentors had steered me to books that he'd read so we we shared some books that we'd read, and um, and so we just became very good friends. And it was uh, I had the privilege of being with another friend of mine who was also close to Eugene when he was uh, when Eugene was uh, really going downhill uh, in terms of his mental state, and we spent a really good time with he and his wife Jan, and. Uh, I didn't make it to his funeral, but was with him uh, just a couple months before that, and it was a real precious time to be with him. He was a very, very dear man, 
and uh, loved the church and loved people and loved pastoral ministry and loved. Pastors. Yeah, he's sort of a pastor's pastor, wouldn't you say? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he really true. was. Is there a? I mean, Brian and I were talking before we got on with you, and and we were just remembering some of our our personal experiences in Montana and some stories. A uh, uh, lat two years ago, almost now. Um, I got the chance, no, not two years, just a year, just a year ago, I, I officiated uh, a wedding at Glacier. Uh, oh, wow. You know, very okay. small, um, <laughs> very small. It was just a couple, their parents, their siblings, and the surviving grandparents, and that was it. And me and my wife, they they, they brought us out there, very close friends, and and it was right there, uh, right there at Glacier. It was a, man, it was, I had never been before. And it was the most beautiful place I think I, uh, I had ever been to. Um, and I've been fortunate to travel a bit as I'm, a, I'm the worship and missions pastor for my church. And so I get to go on lots of mission trips. So I've, I've been fortunate to see a good portion oh. of the world. I've, I've never seen anything more beautiful than, than Glacier. I've seen some places mm-hmm. maybe as beautiful, but nothing more beautiful than Glacier. Um, and I remember my, both my wife and I just in awe, you know, of, of that place and, and, you know, it's one of those places that just points you to the Lord, right? Like, I mean, yeah. Romans comes to mind, like there's there's no excuse. You look around at this, this is the most beautiful place. And then I also, I'll, I'll say, if you're making all things new, Lord, I really, really look forward to seeing how you make this look new. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. what, uh, but, but what are some, you know, what were some times when you were outside and you had that that moment of, my goodness, Lord, look what, look what you've made or look what you've done. Well, I had a lot of them and I, and I had a lot of them. I've had a lot of them in Ohio. Uh, I hiked through a a state forest here and I see wildflowers that uh, inspire me that I get really excited about. I like taking pictures of birds and, and, uh, I love getting a great, great picture of a bird that I haven't gotten before. Um, and so even in Ohio, uh, it's, it's not on the same level as Glacier or the Bitterroot Valley where I pastored or the, uh, the Bridger Mountains where I was near Bozeman, Montana. But um, there's a lot of uh, smaller beauty in some of these places that can be found and can be enjoyed on a real profound level if you're open to the little mm-hmm. stuff going on in forests and and wildflowers and birds and things like that. But places like Glacier are mind-boggling in their beauty, to be sure. Yeah, those little places are a little more easily to come by. Yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> There's some in our backyard, you yeah. know. And- and I, and I'm with you. I, I love to bird watch. I, I recently got a new camera lens just for that. Oh, you and, did. And I did, and I love. Um, I, I use a Canon um, 7D, but then I, I just bought the 100 to 400 zoom, so I can get pretty close with some of these little birds. I just got one of those too. Oh, cool! I love it. It's a great lens. I can't wait to take. Brad and I are going on a trip in a couple of weeks to the Smoky Mountains, and uh, it's oh, going to be in tow. Oh, that's going to be that's wonderful. That's a that's an amazing lens. I I looked at a lot of uh, reviews before I bought it because it's it's pricey, but uh, it sure has proven to be a great lens for me. 
Yeah, I, I bought mine secondhand, so uh, it's been well taken care of, but oh, it is a used good. lens. Oh, that's good. That's the way to do it. <laughs> I let someone else take the hit <laughs> off of the market. <laughs> but David, we we only have, uh, I guess, uh, probably eight or nine minutes, really eight minutes uh, and counting, really. Uh, what What's some, maybe some final thoughts that you have for us? Well, I think the pastoral ministry is a wonderful life. Mm -hmm. It's, it's uh, got its hard times and it's times that are just easy. They're so, there's, it's so good. Um, it's, I, you know, the thing I miss in the ministry is I miss Tuesday mornings. I always took Mondays off. I miss Tuesday morning opening up, opening up the text that I'd be preaching from that week and allowing that text to fill my soul and my mind um, and looking at it in the, the scribbly Greek or Hebrew if I could. And uh, uh, I miss that very much. Um, I miss times with people. I'm kind of a introvert to be honest with you, but I, I like being with people. And I find that to be a very profound experience and God's people are very good. And I miss that privileged that privileged situation that I had as a pastor. Um, so that's, that's what I enjoyed over the years and which I, what I miss today. But uh, I've got a good thing going now and I'm happy about that. Um, but I just uh, am so grateful to God for the 40 years that I spent doing it. Um, it's it's a miracle, really, if you can make it through it. Yeah. Um, it's mm. it's not it's not a job that you can just take and cruise your way through. Uh, you you need some miracles along the way no to doubt. make it. Mm. Uh, it. It takes some. It takes it takes plenty of direct intervention by God to make it work. And, um, and that's exciting. That's, that's really a thrill to see what God is going to do next. Uh, in, in my crummy little well, life. Speak, speaking of uh, what's <laughs> next, uh, we always like to ask our guests, what, what's your next adventure? What's your, what's your next story? No, my next story. Well, I'm trying to take pictures of birds in this bird in this uh, big state forest, and I'm trying to get as many as I can. So that's what I'm doing right now. But I'm, you know, I'm involved in my church. I have a, I have an adult Bible study I teach, and I've got some unbelievers in it, which I'm really excited about. And they ask really good, hard questions. They're college, they're retired college professors, and ask hard questions, which sometimes I can answer, and sometimes I can't. But it's just an incredible privilege to have a Bible study to teach, you know, when you're 67 and you're, you're uh, enjoying life and uh, taking pictures of birds. And so uh, that's what I'm doing right now. And it's a real privilege. That's awesome. Wow. That is so great. That sounds like a fun, fun hobby. I know it's a fun hobby because I do it as well. Okay, great. <laughs> Wonderful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, David, uh, your, for your time and for your wisdom and for your just your transparency. Well, thank you very much. This is you've, you're you're easy to talk to. 
Well, we, man, uh, again, it was really fun um, to, to talk with you. I, I, I tried to f- find a way to contact you, and I ended up uh, just emailing blindly uh, InterVarsity Press, and, uh, and they emailed me back. So it was a, a total stab in the dark, and I know you didn't know us or who we were, but we're really grateful that uh, you would take time to spend with us, man. Well, it's, it's all my pleasure. Totally mine. Well, all right. Well, thanks a lot. Okay. Thank All you right, very talk, much. Maybe we'll talk to you again sometime and get some uh, some bird stories. Yeah. Okay, that sounds great. All right. Okay. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take some time to leave us a review. Or better yet, share it with a friend. We hope these stories encourage you. Encourage you to write your own stories and share your own adventures in the storied outdoors.